about seven or eight years ago, Amaro Viana, that's a Portuguese name for those who are questioning, was at home with his parents one evening when three young men in their late teens and early 20s broke into their house and bound them. <clears throat> they first beat his mother, then they raped her, and then they shot her. <clears throat> and then they took a machete and a golf club and they cut his father and beat him with a golf club until he died. And the whole time, this 12-year-old boy watched this happening. And he was screaming and yelling, and they took a cloth and shoved it into his mouth to shut him up. They then filled a bathtub with boiling water, and they took him, and they forced him face down into that water until he died. And still not satisfied, they took their family dog and cut his stomach open and left the house. Our teaching for today is probably one of the most difficult teachings that we can think about. Something that Jesus told us to do and could be and appears to be impossible to do. Really, this teaching is a continuation of Greg's teaching from last week of forgiving our enemies, and this week is loving our enemies. This is a, for those people who are visitors, we are working through the Sermon on the Mount. And our teaching for today is Matthew 5, verses 43 and 48. And it reads, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
So this passage actually brings up more questions than answers. And there's two really difficult verses in here for me. Verses 45. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. So is this implying if I don't love my enemy that I am not a child of God? And verse 48, and this is the most difficult verse. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I would say that is impossible. I would say that is extremely difficult to do. So here's another question. We read in Matthew 1, verses 28 through 30, and Jesus says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To me, it appears that Jesus is actually adding some additional burden to us for us to perform things that appear to be impossible to do, to be perfect and to love our enemies. As Greg said last week, this is big. But there's actually something much bigger behind this. This teaching, according to many scholars, is unique to Jesus. The teaching of do unto others as you would have them do unto you is a fairly common teaching amongst all religions and denominations that is fairly common. But to love your enemy goes beyond that and is even a far more difficult task to perform. And so is Jesus asking us to do the impossible even when heinous things are done to us and our families? Francis Schaeffer, I don't know if any of you have read any of his books. He wrote about 20 books. He was a, a theologian uh, and Christian philosopher. He died in uh, uh, 1984, I believe. But he, there are three books that he's well known for. And the one is um, The God Who Is There. And then the second, there's a trilogy of books, The God Who Is There. Escape from reason, he is there and he is not silent. 
And in his book, The God Who Is There, he writes about the finite and the infinite man. And when I use the word man, I'm being gender neutral. Yeah, I'm talking about human beings, us as human beings, man. So the finite man is the man who believes that we are born into this world, we live our lives, and then we die, and things are done. End of story. The infinite man believes that we are born into this world, that we have purpose in this world, we die, and there's purpose beyond that. There's a, there's a life that is awaiting us even beyond our time on this earth. And of course, you know what I'm referring to. And he refers to one as the noble man. And the other one he refers to as the evil, and he uses, he doesn't use the word evil, he uses the word um, um, brutal, not brutal. Pardon? There we go, cruel man. I should look at my notes. And let's deal with the infinite man first. So infinite man believes that there's no life beyond death and that we cannot prove that God exists. And that might be true from a deductive point of view. But it can be sort of proven if we look at the consequences of not believing in a God. And the 20th century has been a very, very good example of what happened when, God, when man no longer believes in a God. When Darwin came up with his theory of evolution in the 19th century, that theory was adopted by many communist countries. It was a natural fit for them because they wanted to ex exclude God from their beliefs and who they believed in. And so if we look at what communist regimes have done over the 20th century, have, has life improved for those people because of what they, what they have done? And the evidence is overwhelmingly no, the very opposite. And if you look at statistics, Mark, if you have those numbers up, up there, if you look at these numbers over here, these are what, there's a, there's, a, there's a scholar by the name of Rummel, Rudolf Rummel at the University of Hawaii. He's, he died in 19, uh, 2004, I believe. But he has done research all through his career from the, from the 50, uh, 1950s all the way through to when he died. And he coined this phrase, democide, where, which means governments that have killed the unarmed people simply because they were no longer useful for them <clears throat> or classified as enemies of the state. 
And these numbers are numbers of those countries that have exceeded a million deaths by their governments. There's a lot more. If you go to these websites, you can go and look, uh, look at it. There's, there's pages and pages of, of this. China, 77 million of their own people killed. This is not war. This is government killing their own people. Soviet Union, 61 million. If we look at the total number of deaths by communist countries in the 20th century, the number gets to about 270 million people that were killed by communist governments. That includes these as well as other people in war and, things and, and other events. The cruelty of man because he no longer believes in God. And why is that? Why does man get to the place where he feels it's justifiable to kill his fellow man? And the, I think the answer is this. He sees no purpose in his own life. Everything that he has to achieve has to be achieved in this, in this life. And so there's no morality. Morality is not an absolute. Morality is based on what I feel or what opinion polls feel or a statistic tells you. So we, we decide based on our feelings the way we see the world as to what is moral and what is immoral. And the end result is we have to get rid of our enemies. There's this natural tendency of us wanting to get rid of people that are no longer useful for us. We saw this in uh, Nazi Germany. There's a hospital, well, they call it a hospital, it wasn't really a hospital, an institution where the Nazi Germanies killed those people, their own people, because they considered them, their genes, imperfect and would destroy the gene pool of the country. And so they systematically, they, they killed about 70 people a day to total about 60,000 people that, they, that died. They were, these people were either mentally uh, challenged or physically challenged or some way, and the Germans believed that these people were a waste of energy. And if you're a waste of energy, you need to go. And so you're put to death. So that's the finite man. The infinite man says, there is a God. And God knows all truth. And this word truth is often misused. In fact, most of the time it's misused. What is the meaning of the word truth? 
We often look at truth and, you know, especially brought up in our church, you'll often say when a person comes to the truth, we convert it to the truth. Or does the Bible give us all truth? And I submit to you that no, truth is actually beyond the Bible. The Bible bases its teachings on truth. Truth is what God is and who God teaches. And often we don't know because we have this filter. The Bible is an attempt by man to show who, what God's truth is all about. And I'm not down in the Bible. I believe it's, it's, it's valuable scripture. It's important for us because that's, that's our mirror. That's our only way of looking at God is through, through the word. And when Jesus came to this world, he knew what truth is all about. And that's what his teachings were all about. He was trying to show people the teachings that you have heard from religious readers are not the teachings of God. God's teachings are much greater than this. And you need to align your beliefs, your morality, on an infinite God. Not on what man teaches you. This came very personal yesterday. I was uh, <clears throat> talking to my brother <clears throat> on the phone in South Africa. And on Thursday night, there was a lady that I knew when I was a kid and, and in the church, and she was a friend of my, my parents. And she's about 90 years old. Two young men broke into her home, and they beat her to death. Her neighbor found her in a pool of blood, and... She wasn't dead when they, when they found her. They rushed her to the hospital, but they weren't able to save her, and she, she died. The brutality and the cruelty of man when they don't believe that there's a God. So we come back to our teachings of Christ. How can we be perfect just like our Father is perfect? The truth is we cannot. Perfection comes through Jesus Christ. We have to remember that when we look at these teachings of Jesus, we have to remember two things. Jesus, Jesus the Savior and Jesus the Teacher. And Jesus the Savior is here 
to redeem us, to give us perfection, to provide salvation, to provide a place, to provide for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And there's nothing we can do for ourselves. Let's just make that real clear. There's nothing we can do for ourselves. Only Jesus can do for us. And he provides perfection. And he provides perfection for the, my perfection before the Father. So that I can be perfect just like my Father is because Jesus was perfect. And he stands in my place. The question is this. Do I align, align my beliefs in universal, in universal truths? My morals in universal truths? Or do I align my morals on statistics or polls? You know, political polls nowadays are, are absolutely amazing. I mean, every time you read the news, is the latest poll shows this and this and this. And then you read it and say, well... Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe you're not wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe your morality needs to be absolute. Maybe your morality means that Jesus, what Jesus taught, and what God expects from us. Our alignment with him and not with man. Your purpose on this earth is to love God with all your mind, your spirit, your soul. Everything needs to love God. That gives you purpose. And if we do that, we start looking at our fellow human beings differently. Because God told us, Jesus tells us, that he brings the showers on the evil and the good and the bad on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines on them. God is inclusive. Man is exclusive. We want to exclude. You know, so if you bring this to a political, and I, I don't want to get into the politics here, but isn't it amazing how we, we always say, if we can get rid of, then things will improve. You know, um, we had Bill Clinton, I mean, not, let's say Jimmy Carter. If we can get rid of Jimmy Carter, he had made a disaster of the economy. We can improve. So then we had Reagan. Reagan comes along and the rest of the, of the country says, if we can get rid of Reagan, we can improve things. And, and, of course, George Bush really made it bad, and so we can get rid of him. So then Bill Clinton comes along and, oh, dear, things are really bad now. And so if we can get rid of him, we, we can get another Bush back in power. And then we get Obama, and we can get Obama out. We can get... Trump, and then Trump is just, if we can only get rid of Trump, right? If we can only get rid of Saddam Hussein, how does that improve life for these people in these countries? That is not God's way. God's way is to be inclusive. God's way is for us to face our enemies and to love them, to pray for them, the most important, most difficult things to do. But that's God's way. And if we follow God's way, we are not going to have the cruelty that we see in the world today. So the big question, once again, do you align your morals 
your values, your beliefs in universal values? Or are you going to align your values with your feeble attempts of showing good? It's going to fail. Father, we seek your face. Because that's the only way we can determine our direction. We want to put our lives in your hands, our morals in alignment with yours. I pray, Lord, that you'll take our lives. Maybe we as followers of Jesus show the world what love is truly about. I pray in your loving name. Amen.